In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So the text begins today with that key word. Mark uses it all the time. Immediately we go from last week's text where he cast out the demon and told him to be quiet in the synagogue to the house of uh, Simon uh, and Andrew along with James and John. Uh, from demons to disease in two weeks. But really, for Jesus, it's one and the same thing. The words that he used to cast them out is the same. They all have the same power of the evil one and the effects of sin in our world. Simon's mother-in-law is in bed with a fever, and so they tell Jesus about it, and he goes in. Can you look at her, please? It seems almost trivial, doesn't it? A fever. Uh, we, we think of those great miracles of People who were blind could see, the mute could talk, the lame could walk. And here we have someone who has a fever. You know, take a couple aspirins, see me in the morning, 48 hours, she'll probably be up and doing better, right? That's what we think. A fever, likely to pass. Drink some liquids. But Jesus comes into her in that little moment of her need. Uh, it's an important thing for us to see that Jesus cares for you in these things, in all these things of your life, even in this moment of a fever, uh, when you feel beaten down and tired and without power, uh, Jesus cares even at the time of what the world might say is a fairly insignificant illness. Sickness uh, is always a spiritual moment, a time of insight, a time of vulnerability, a time of dependency. Uh, we're reminded of our mortality, uh, even with our little flus and sniffles and colds. All of these things remind us of the fact that we'll hear here in a, another couple weeks, from dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Our sicknesses point to a, a far greater sickness and a far greater healing, a resurrection, when these broken bodies of ours will rise to new life in the resurrection of Jesus and be changed to bodies that are suited for everlasting life. Uh, even the little ones you deal with doesn't make life fun. It's not the way God intended it. And it should drive us to that moment to say, thank you, Lord, for the healing that has come to everlasting life. Sin and sickness go together. Uh, not the way people think. We don't get sick necessarily because we've seen, sinned, at least not necessarily. There are some intrinsic health effects to certain sins. Uh, drunkenness can lead to your liver not being real happy with things. Um, immorality, promiscuous sex brings other risks. That's true. There are results. But God isn't necessarily trying to tell you um, that you've done something really wrong if you get a cold or a flu. I'm going to punish you. Uh, we think of Job, uh, a man who suffered an awful lot, and he doesn't suffer because of his sin. We find he suffers because of his righteousness. Uh, no, the result of, of our sin is not the sickness at hand. So we can't say that sin and sickness are linked in that way. Simon's mother-in-law isn't necessarily sick with a fever because she did something wrong, spoke an ill word, didn't do what she was supposed to do. Uh, Jesus doesn't mention anything. But sin and sickness have something in common 
in that they're alien to us. They're not the way God intended us to be. Foreign to our bodies, uh, rooted in the original fall. Even cancer is a cell gone awry to start attacking our own body. It's not the way God made us. Sickness uh, and even demon possession become pictures of sin and its ravages on humanity because of that fall into sin. Sin is, is a spiritual sickness, you might say, something that's invaded humanity and we can't shake it off no matter how hard we try. Oh, we can stay healthy for a while. I've seen some people at uh, 80 and 90 that I'm pretty amazed, uh, jogging up hills and running uh, uh, different trails. But as the one commercial for life insurance says, uh, one man died. You mean the guy who was the marathon runner? Yep, he died too. Sin is a disorder of God's order that's resulted in this chaos and this desire to be cured that ultimately leads in death. Sin is that fatal disease to which the only cure there is is the death and resurrection of the Son of God, Jesus Christ. So even that little case of the sniffles, the little 24-hour fever, there are reminders to us that there's something wrong with us, something not right in our bodies, in this world, or in the order of things. That's what Jesus comes to set right. Jesus comes to this woman, this poor uh, mother-in-law on her sickbed, uh, as he comes to you in your moment of weakness and sickness too. Uh, Never doubt that. He hasn't turned his back on you. He doesn't only come to you when you're healthy and wealthy and wise as if, oh, they're doing such good things, now I'll bless them. No, maybe he comes most to you when you're weak and sick. Uh, The old Lutheran um, pastor's companion, the prayers for the sick, would pray It would say, we thank you, Lord, and ask your help during this time of your visitation. Isn't that an interesting way to put it? It's in these moments that God visits us just as he visits this woman laying in bed with a fever and lifts her up and melts it away with a touch. Ah, Amazing. A little resurrection. It's even the same Greek word. He grabs her hand and raises her. This is the power of Jesus Christ. He reaches down and takes our dead hand and lifts us up and heals us uh, up forever. It's what he does. He lifts us from sin, from death, from the despair of shame and guilt in this world. He lifts us from all the things that drag us down. As we heard Isaiah say, he gives power to the faint and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and weary and young men shall fall exhausted, but they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary They shall walk and not faint. Uh, In other words, when the Lord lifts you up, you don't just get up, you rise up different than you were before with renewed strength and renewed hope and renewed life. Uh, Being lifted up, what does the text say she did? Uh, She immediately begins to serve them. It's an interesting sentence, isn't it? Um, Right out of bed to say, okay, it's time to get some lunch together. Uh, She set out sandwiches, well, probably not sandwiches, but uh, 
went back to the mundane chores of life, uh, her own daily grind, but it wasn't a daily grind to her. You can get the sense that she jumps up because she desired to serve Jesus, who just healed her. And now she lifts up this sacrifice of a, of a life um, to the Lord, a thanksgiving and praise to the one who has come to her and given her new life in that moment. You too are lifted up by Jesus, not so that you can lie down, but so that you can live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, Luther writes. Uh, at the end of some services, we say, go in peace and serve the Lord. Now, some people don't like that line. They'll say, what a terrible way to end the service. It sounds like law. Go and serve. Um, but I, don't, I wouldn't have us think of it that way. Uh, just ask yourself, what's really wrong with getting up and serving the Lord? Is that a bad thing? Uh, isn't that what the new man in Christ wants to do, the forgiven, renewed, strengthened person who is in Jesus Christ alive? And isn't what, that, what the old man needs to be told? Get up. Uh, you're not in control anymore. I'm serving the Lord, not you. It's what the mother-in-law does in the text. And why are we afraid of that, I wonder? We've been lifted out of the condemnation of the law so that we might serve him without fear, without judgment. It's a good thing. Go in peace and serve the Lord, the peace of having received new life in him. She served them. Uh, Jesus served many more. Uh, that evening, it says, as the sun went down, they started piling into the house, coming close. They had heard what he had done, and many, many more, as his reputation grew, wanted that kind of healing. He was tired. You can imagine the crowds coming to the door, can't you? Wouldn't it be nice if we could say, uh, come to Redeemer, Tillamook, we'll be healing all diseases this week. They'd pile in. Uh, we couldn't keep them out. But now... This day that starts with a fever ends with a huge pile of people being renewed and Jesus continues to give until it's time to go to bed. Uh, the devil would have loved it, as we talked last week, if he would have just kept doing that. Just keep healing people. Set up shop there. Heal. The whole region would have been healed. He'd have been famous. Healthy people would have abounded. But what would Jesus have avoided by doing that? the cross. Satan would love for Jesus to have been heralded as that great healer and have it stop right there. But that's not the healing that matters. He would go to the cross to take care of the problem for all people and wipe out the disease that is in every heart. Uh, amazing. Early in the morning, before the sun comes up, the story tells us he sneaks out and goes to a private place by himself to pray. Um, the disciples, they go looking for him. They finally find him. And what do they say? You have a whole waiting room full of patients. They're waiting. Chop, chop. Let's get to it. And Jesus says, no, no. Let us go on to the next town that I may preach there also because that's why I came. That's why I came. And that's what he did. 
they haul off to another place. Think about that. All those people that were waiting to be healed, all those demon-possessed people he walked away from because he came for another purpose. All the little old ladies with fevers and worse, he said, no, I have to go preach a message. The kingdom of God is here. Healing disease and casting out demons and lifting out little old ladies uh, is not why he came. Uh, He came to preach and he came to die. We should fear and love God so that we do not despise preaching and his word, but hold it sacred and gladly hear and learn it. It is more important, isn't it? The raising that takes place in the power of that word by faith. The miracles, well, they're just signs to attest to his preaching. They showed that his words had authority and power uh, to cast out demons and heal diseases. Uh, They're never an end in themselves so that people can go, wow, isn't he cool? Look what he can do. Remember the story of when they lower the man on the mat and uh, he says to the man, your sins are forgiven. And the people, the, the Pharisees go absolutely berserk. How dare you say his sins are forgiven? Only one person can say that, and that's not you. That is God. And he says, all right. So in order to show you that I have the power to forgive sins, thus I am God, uh, pick up your mat and go home. And the man picked up his mat and went home. Uh, Simon's mother-in-law would get sick again. Uh, Jesus granted her no special immunity from illnesses. She didn't get a lifetime healing there. But in the process, she knew who to trust. She knew who to serve. She knew who she loved. Jesus would lift her up again. This little resurrection from the illness would eventually be uh, the major resurrection from the dead. She knew that his word and touch were God himself among us humans. So I want you to think about that. Every time you have a little illness, every little healing, every time your flu is gone or your sniffles dry up, or something bigger, uh, a surgery you've undergone, or some other sickness that is all of a sudden God. Don't think of it as uh, you dodged a bullet. Uh, Don't think of it as, okay, I prayed and therefore God granted me favor. Think of it as a little resurrection in your life, a time where God reached out his hand to you and you rose up. A little instance, uh, a sneak preview, if you were, of something greater that's going to come in your life. Uh, When you'll be healed, maybe not from a particular illness uh, and not from dying, again, we'll all die, but from the dead. In the most important way, uh, he will lift you up and continue to lift you up every time you come here when you will hear Jesus himself say, I forgive you. And every time he places his body and blood in your mouth and lifts you up, and washes away your sin and says, you are mine forever. That's what Jesus does. He even declares, lo, I am with you always to the end of the age, the ultimate healing that will come in Jesus. So uh, go in peace, serve the Lord. And God's people respond, thanks be to God in Jesus' name. 
Amen.